black. All important movies start with a black screen and music. Edgy, scary music that would make a parent or studio executive nervous. And logos, really long and dramatic logos. Warner Bros. Why not Warner Brothers? I don't know. DC, the house that Batman built. Yeah, what, Superman? Come at me, bro. I'm your kryptonite. <clears throat> Not sure what Rat Pack does, but that logo is macho. I dig it. Okay, get yourself ready for some reading. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change. Who? No, I said that. Batman is very wise. Now let's start the movie. Welcome to episode 55 of Reading Between the Reels. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're a new listener, we're so glad you found us. If you've been enjoying the show, please tell someone about us, send a tweet, post to Facebook, write a review in your favorite podcast catcher, or just recommend the show to a friend. Today on the show, I'm joined once again by Corey Heitschmidt. How's it going, Corey? Hello. And also my daughter, Callista Dickinson, making her podcast debut. Say hello, Callista. Hello, Callista. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, today on the show, we are looking at the Lego Batman movie. One of our favorites. So, uh, Corey, why don't you start us off? What are your, some of your overall thoughts on the Lego Batman movie? I, I'm going to tell you, I think when it comes to this movie, this is an ideal movie for someone like me. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, of all the movies we've talked about, this one is one of my favorites because two reasons. It's a great comic book story, right? With uh, with Legos and so featuring all of the aspects of an animated movie, plus Easter eggs and gags and jokes that keep a parent involved and a parent entertained throughout the whole movie. So I rate this as one of my top DC movies that I have seen. I love this movie from top to bottom. Nice. What about you, Calista? What do you think about this movie? I think this movie is hilarious. Um, it's definitely one of my favorite Batman movies. Um, I just think that it's really fun to see him, like, not being mature. So he's basically like an adult teenager through the entire thing. And it's really funny. And I really like that. Yeah. Uh, I, I just love that it somehow walks the line between being a spoof of Batman, but also like a love letter to Batman because it, it totally combines all the eras and in some weird hybrid version of everything. I, I just love that so much. Uh, one of the th my favorite things that I learned um, researching this movie was that part of the pitch uh, from the from the director's vision, Chris McKay's vision, was that he wanted to kind of combine the darkest Batman he could get, like Frank Miller or or like Batflex Batman with the Burt Ward 1966 Robin and just kind of throw that dynamic together. And it totally, that's very much what this movie is. Yeah. He does a, he does a great job with doing that. And I think uh, the other part that I saw, this was his first major feature film that he, that he was directing. He had directed some other things, but this was his first big film and uh, that he had said he had some mixed blessings about it because it was such a, a big project. And so, because he said, I'm a huge comic book fan, but it's also ambitious to try and do a movie in about two and a half years. The animation that it takes to do each of the frames in this is an intense amount of work and to oversee. And so this this would have occupied a lot of his time as a director 
and uh, with all the animation, the sequences, the voiceovers, casting, and the the casting level from what they've got would have been uh, just a, a a heavy lift of a task to try and organize as well. Yeah. So uh, let's go ahead and jump into uh, cinematography. So let's talk about composition, color, camera work. I'm going to go ahead and start with you, Corey, and then we'll go to Clista and then I'll wrap. So when it comes to camera work, the thing I think about this that makes this different than any other movie that, that we reviewed that we talk about is there is a ton of quick shots. I mean, that camera is changing views, changing angles all the time. And the thing about a regular movie, you're going to have the director highlight where he wants your eyes to go, whether he's pulling back on a character, zooming in on a character, blurring the background, doing all these things to make you focus on his part of the story he's trying to tell. But with a Lego movie, they're doing so much. It is it is so difficult to just watch a Lego movie one time because you watch the character, but you miss so many of the small little Lego things in the background that you have to see where a Lego, you know, there's a big fight where they're all fighting the, the heroes and the villains. And in the background, you see one of the villains just get obliterated and just fall apart, which Legos do. And so you, your eyes are constantly moving throughout the whole thing, which is great because you take a little kid and their attention is focused on all these details that the animators have spent hours pulling into. So I think when you look at the camera work, the amount of details is, is breathtaking that they're going to do with the Legos. And, and they're real Lego sets that they're doing. They're not just putting Legos up there. They're putting actual Lego sets and some product placements in a couple spots. And, and then they got the character and the facial parts of the character, bringing them in. So I think, I think the camera work on this show is, is great to highlight all those aspects and keep you focused on still telling a great story. Awesome. What do you think kid? Um, I agree with what you said, Mr. Corey. I love all of the Lego details that they put in there and just, um, how all of the animation is just all Lego and it's really cool. Um, one of my favorite parts is towards the end when, um, Gotham City is like breaking apart and they have to like make a giant chain and then like put it back together and it looks like they're struggling a lot but then they take a step back and you just hear click and it's really funny because it's like what they're what they're feeling is like this is really hard and then you take a step back and it's just like putting lego pieces together which is really funny um and so i just think that the camera is funny and just like ingenious so yeah i love that perspective because you know that's in in the Lego movie, we get to see the kid who's playing with it, but this this movie is, I, you know, I, you don't necessarily think of it that way. But I've heard that this is also supposed to be from their imagination. It's the little boy and his sister that are kind of doing this. So you still have those little moments where, yes, it's Lego. They're aware that they're Lego because it's the little kids playing with it. So you have that really fun dynamic in there. Well, that's the that's the theory that that I saw is that there's a twist where. Everything that's happening here, this isn't just a Batman movie starting up. This is a sequel to the Lego movie. This is like the next step of the Lego movie. And so since uh, since William Arnett was in Lego ba- or the Lego movie, and then this just continued on with that story, and that it's still the boy and the sister playing with the Legos. And there's some hints to that, I think, with, with the cloud from the, the cloud brick. Yeah, from the Phantom Zone and things that they hint to that it's it's her imagination that she's part of that too. So yeah, uh, but this movie is what what's great about it is that it's still you you mentioned alluded to this too, Corey that it's very cinematic in the way that it is not really shot. I mean, there's no cinematographer for this film. It's constructed in a way that looks like it's shot on film, and you have things some very cinematic things like you have a great. Uh, the, the exchange between Batman and Joker when, when Batman tells him that he's not his greatest enemy and it just keeps alternating these super big shots of their faces and you see Joker's face and it starts to quiver 
Uh, you know, and it's in a very much like that's a very dramatic. It's, it's played to be like a very dramatic scene where you know the composition would be. I'm gonna, you have to have this giant face, this close up because you know got to read the emotion on the actors' faces. But you know, they're just little bricks. There's several scenes in there where they bring in just a little bit of emotional drawing for that, where they they have a conversation. Alfred says to him about Robin letting him into the Batcave. And he says, I'm not letting him into the Batcave. I'm letting him into your life. And they have small soap opera music playing in the background. And it's very much drawing you in like, oh my gosh, there's so much emotion here, you know, for a Lego movie. Yeah. And, you know, it's illustrated too, where they have these really super wide shots uh, to establish context. And you also see, you know, how big like Bruce Wayne's mansion is and Batman's just this little tiny character in there, which is very much illustrating. Like he is alone. Look, look how alone he is. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of showing and not telling, but then there also is the telling like you're literally and figuratively on an Island. Yes. You know, Alfred tells him, which is genius. Uh, Anything else that you had for, for color camera work? I have a few more things, but I want to make sure you have a chance to get some in before I ramble. No, I, I think you could. Yeah. Okay. Um, I love the, in- the whole intro is amazing. First off, just starting with the black screen and um, you get to hear the, you know, listeners, you- that was my daughter doing the intro to, to this episode, kind of mimicking yep. Will Arnett's brilliant uh, uh, voiceover. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, most of the movie is extremely colorful, except for Batman, except for one point we noticed this time all the way through. And you want to talk about that, Callista? Sure. Um, so there's this one part after, um, the Joker and the rest of the bad guys, um, resign. Surrender. Surrender. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, everything goes black and white except for Batman and you just see him black and then like the little yellow on his belt and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it's just showing that like. He's all alone again. Yeah. All the color is gone from his life. Everything is in black and white as, as the one is the loneliest number is playing. It's, it's pretty genius. Yeah. Uh, I think there was, I just, I did want to mention just again, how, how dynamic the camera work is. There's so much to see, like you, you alluded to earlier, Corey, and the camera's moving too. It doesn't do you any favors. Like there's already a, a million things going on in the background and the camera just keeps moving. So it's definitely worth a rewatch repeatedly like you it requires repeated viewings uh to see it uh there was a couple things i loved um again more cinematic stuff you have like a first person point of view on on jim gordon's police car when they're coming in what like at the beginning on top which is very reminiscent of like the dark knight and uh you have this great dolly zoom to the joker when he shows up and surrenders where the all the villains kind of peel off to kind of reveal him just, it's yeah. very it's kind of like you know the scene in jaws where they kind of peels off that way so um, just a lot of fun with that I think when I when I look at these movies especially that intro I love I love Lego Batman Lego movies are absolutely incredible for crossing franchises they don't just come in with just DC I mean you have Doctor Who references you have Harry Potter references you have you have Lord of the Rings. All the Lego sets make their appearance here. And all of the Batman villains, all the villains that they introduce one by one are actual villains and actual Lego sets. And so it's including Condiment Man. <laughs> yeah. Probably worth a Google. Which, and that's one of my favorite lines that I say all the time to people is whenever someone, you know, we're having a conversation or I'll say in class with something, and I'll say that. That's my line is, well, it's probably worth a Google is because of that movie, it says to me, and immediately when I left that movie, I Googled Condiment Man. Was he a real person? You know, yep. Was he a real character? And he really was. So Me too. I'm like, they no. do those placements so well in the Lego movies and this movie and Batman so well. Just little nods, just little things. Um, and the first one that I thought was so great, because I'm sitting there with my kids and I watch this movie in the theater with my kids and, you know, you're being entertained and, is in the very beginning when the Joker is on the plane and he just explains his plot. He just sets up the movie like, hey, let me just go into a little monologue and tell you everything that I'm going to do and what's going to happen in the next couple minutes, which is great because it draws the kids in and it draws me in too. But the fun fact about that was the airplane that they were doing that from, uh, 
it had, I got to find my note here. It had um, the name of the plane was an actual reference to it. Do you know which one I'm talking about? MacGuffin Airlines? Yes, MacGuffin Airlines, <laughs> which is a, which is the, do you know where I, I've lost my spot now? I'm trying to find, oh, here it is. The MacGuffin 1138, which is a term, film term, for an object that drives the plot of a film without yep. really impacting the story too much. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what that plane trip was. Here's the story. I'm going to go and make this big thing. Batman's going to, he can't, you know, he's not going to stop me this time. And, and, uh, and so it's just that little reference and that little nod of, you know, something oblivious. Most people don't know. I didn't know the first time I'd seen it until I see that Easter egg explained later. And then I go, well, that is some brilliant writing to just slip that little Easter egg in there and that people would know. Here's the Joker just telling the whole story and (laughs) it's not going to change the plot, but I tell you what, it just lets you know what the plot is. Yeah. So we've, we've kind of transitioned naturally down to, to, uh, to sound. And you know, that's some of the great voiceover that Joker had. I had that too, because you get to see lots of his plan unfolding, which is fantastic and, and great, great way of showing it. Cause that could be kind of boring if they weren't moving it so fast. Yes. Uh, of course you also have the, the narration, which I alluded to earlier, but I mean, that's how the movie starts. We just get to hear this very self-aware Batman explaining you know, the studios that are putting out this movie and whatnot. Uh, and also, uh, I love the, the intro video for, uh, for Barbara Gordon, especially where it mentions that she went to Harvard for police. <laughs> See those little, those little lines are the best lines. Like that's Adults what catch up on those. And yeah. So, uh, let's talk about, let's talk about the sound effects. I don't want to move too far without talking about the sound effects. Do you have any sound effects that you really liked? Uh, I do, I, I, but I got to say that Harvard for police thing, uh, just just because it just clicked to me, I never thought of it before. But if you think back to this is the the boy from Lego Movie and his sister right. playing, and if you're having that conversation when you're playing as a kid, that would have been, you wouldn't have thought Police Academy or something like that. You would have said, oh, Harvard for police. It would be a line that would fit within the mind of the child playing with Legos. Absolutely. Which is a great fit, which is great writing to just slip that in there. <laughs> and it makes us laugh. And it does. Uh, sound effects. I think, you know, the thing I like is when Batman runs into Barbara Gordon, when him and Robin are sneaking around uh, with the the Ray, the fan, Phantom Zone Ray. And mm-hmm. he, as soon as he sees her, you hear the song, I Just Died in Your Arms Tonight. <laughs> just alluding a little bit to the fact that she's kind of got under his skin a little bit and... Uh, you know, there's something there. And so I thought that's, that was kind of fantastic. Just little things they slip in like that with their with their sound. Um, and then, you know, all of the songs and the music that they play in Legos, these Lego movies are so yeah. catchy. They're songs you that me driving down the road, you know, playing the song in a van on a road trip. You know, I hear those songs because we're playing and watching the movie. You know, the kids are watching the movie in the back and they're catchy songs. They're great songs. And and so I think what they do with those sound is, is just amazing to mix all that together. Plus, did you have anything for, for sound that you want to talk about any of those categories? Sure. Um, yeah, I got a little bit. Okay. So I also love whenever Batman runs into Barbara that he starts singing that song (laughs) and like his eyes go wide and he's like, Barbara, (laughs) it's really funny. Um, okay. So, Another one of my favorite things that happened in this movie is that they don't have, like, a lot of sound effects. They say the sound effects. Like, for example, whenever someone's shooting a gun, it's like, pew, 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 pew. And there's a bunch of other stuff like that. Um, Yeah, like when Batman bangs on the window in the prison, he says, bang, bang, bang. That is true. The guards pew pew pew, <laughs> but yeah. that fits in the story that this is yeah in Emmett's head. Yeah, and this, this one I got. Yeah, this time I noticed um, when Sauron starts looking for the Batcave, he goes scary sound. As he's moving. Around. <laughs> it's like they're yeah. not trying. To, they're not trying to be too clever. They're, it's it's going to be right out there. Uh, yeah, just lots of kid versions of sound effects, which leads to that 
And it's weird because I didn't realize that until this viewing that that's what I was supposed to be picking up. But, you know, I just thought it was funny. So <laughs> just another level. Um, we mentioned the tiny click, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mentioned that. That was a great one. Uh, the thud when Batman hits the, the Phantom Zone up at the top is just priceless, too. He has that glorious moment of redemption and self-sacrifice and then thud. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else that you want to mention? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, no. Go ahead and jump in, kid. Okay, so um, another fun thing is that um, when all of the after the Joker comes into the Phantom Zone, oh, when he's falling, there's this one song and it goes the Phantom Zone, and it's just really <laughs> funny because they weren't even trying to be clever there; they're just like threw in what it is. Which is really funny. And then I think that when uh, all the bad guys show up behind Joker, there's like pipe organs playing, which is funny. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah. But but on the other side, you have you have Lorne Belf, who did the music for this, who also did recently did the music for, for Black Adam. And, you know, he's a guy who kind of trained under Hans Zimmer. And it's, it's almost like he's channeling him here. Like we get the level of music in this movie that we got in the Dark Knight trilogy. It's that yes. good, that over the top. Um, so I, I love the, I love the soundtrack. It's it's fantastic. But then all the diegetic music, like we talked about, my favorite piece of diegetic music is the guitar solo, where he's just picking, and then all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, just sitting in the middle of that underground lake, Batman's just rocking out. Sure, why not? <clears throat> Uh, I think I think two things that they just slip in that are not not big on the soundtrack, but just sounds that are just slipped in, just enough to get you, is uh, Batman hitting the horn on the Batmobile, and it plays the you know the nineteen sixties Batman with Adam West low uh, yep. sound, and so you know the na 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 na. Anyway, so you get that whole thing with him on his horn of a Batmobile is that slow you know that song, and then when he gets to the Fortress of Solitude. And he rings the doorbell and it mm. plays the theme song for Superman. Oh, yes. Which so is good. absolutely just a great little slip in, puts it in there. And, you know, the adults there, we recognize that theme. We know where it's coming from. It's going back to. And and so those are just little intentional sounds they drop in that are just great. Yeah. I'm just, I can't stop smiling when I'm talking about this movie. I love it so much. And this time I caught too, you know, I, I knew that one was there, the Superman theme. But even when he, as he lands, it's the Krypton theme. That kind of yes. ethereal music that we hear at the beginning of the movie and also when Superman's building the Fortress of Solitude in the 78 movie, which is great. But the thing that I thought was really fascinating this time was, you know, we start off in that, in that intro and, and Batman very hilariously mentions that, you know, he wrote Man in the Mirror. But that's, you know, it's a joke, but it's also like it's kind of the theme of the movie. Mm-hmm. And so we get to hear that song in this movie too, sung by the children's choir, including Dick Grayson. And it's kind of like, Hey, here's the guy who's here's the, the character that's going to put you on that journey. Like it's very intentional that they're singing that song. At first it just kind of seems like a joke, but like there's actually a connection between Dick Grayson and that song and Batman's journey through this film. And at the very end, the Lego brick from the Phantom Zone makes the comment and actually says says the quote from Man in the Mirror song. That's how that's how she ends it with the with him. Um, she's talking to him about why she's not going to yank him back into the Phantom Zone, and she makes the the comment. Um, about the man in the mirror. And then that's the next scene. She says, in order for the world to be a better place, take a look, a man needs to take a look at himself and make a change. And that's, that's the man in the mirror song from the Michael Jackson. And then the next scene that they go to is that's the song in the bat cave family. So the bat cave, all of the bat cave families together, you've got Robin, you got, you know, Alfred's in there, Batman, and now you have Barbara in there and they're in the bat cave. And it's that song. That's the intro song, the next song. So it's, it is, it's kind of like that's their hero's journey that they bring through was Batman going from dark with his intro in the beginning. You know, the movie's dark starts with a black theme. And then to the end where he introduces the credits, now it's white. 
Now it's hopeful because he's got his family. So his hero journey rising through all that. Yeah. So anything else for sound before we talk about performance, which we've kind of alluded to, but we'll get into the particulars here in a second. No. Okay. So I think pretty much everybody's melodramatic, but that's the way you want it. The performances are great. They're so good in this that we even have Mariah Carey as the mayor and it doesn't bug me. It doesn't take me out of the film. Like she's just as good as everybody else. I think the level of characters, all the, the amount of voices that you recognize from this is incredible that they get people in there. I mean, everything from the Dalek voices to, I think one of the, I think one of the greatest clever castings that they do is Ralph Fiennes as Alfred. Yeah. So the man who is Voldemort in the Harry Potter series is Alfred and they have Voldemort in the series, but he does not voice Voldemort. Yeah. It's Eddie Izzard in that one. It's Eddie yeah. Izzard. And so yeah. it's, and, and so the, the, the level of casting and, and the way that they bring them in for their, their characters and how they play it is, is just incredible that the amount of talent that it takes to do this, that kind of voice level work is incredible because this is different than a movie where you see my features and you see my expressions. You're putting a voice up there. And the only thing you have is a Lego figure, which doesn't have as much expression anyway, except the eyes moving with it. And so that's, that's one of the things that I think is so incredible that they, they're able to get the melodramatic voice overs in there and that acting and still hit and land all those jokes and all those lines at all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty much the one thing I had for the for facial expressions, just to skip down there for just a half a second, was Batman's eyes are very expressive. That and, you know, Joker's face, which is his mouth is like almost half of his face at certain points, just to kind of drive that home. So well, and I think that separates that separates like the success of the movie Deadpool and the movie Spider Man was that the eyes, the way they brought those eyes with a little bit of CGI mm-hmm. for the Tom Holland Spider Man versus Toby Maguire's and Andrew Garfield's to have a Spider-Man mask that actually reacts to emotion was a little bit, I think that makes that movie a little more successful too is, and that's what you get in these movies where Batman's eyes are the kid, the character's eyes are able to react to those emotions too. They're not just white lights that are the same size all the time. Yeah. It's amazing how much expression you actually get out of a Lego face. So here's the, here's maybe the hardest part of the show favorite dialogue and we can't quote the entire movie so, <laughs> so maybe like so two only two yeah okay 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 so Corey, you want to go first you get oh, first man. I, if you're gonna limit me to two i'm gonna <laughs> need a second here uh Favorite dialogue. Okay. I have to go with something funny that I absolutely love. Now, this whole movie, you could. You could quote this whole movie. This whole movie is wit and humor and just lines that are slipped in. And um, (laughs) I got to say it's with Batman. First, he doesn't want Robin in the Batcave, and then he does, and he gets him ready, and he gets going. And that whole scene, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw that whole scene out there for dialogue because it's incredible. Robin's not wearing a seatbelt, gets slammed in, and back. Oh, I'm gonna put my arm right here. I'm gonna get as soon as we get back to the Batcave. I'm gonna have Alfred put in some seatbelts, right? And the first thing he said was, you know, uh, life doesn't give you seatbelts. Like it's. <laughs> And so that whole scene, but here's here, but that's not even the line. That's not even the line that I want to say. The line that I want to say is when he gets Alfred comes in and says to him, he's taking him on the mission with him. And Batman says, how dare you tell me how to parent my kid that I just met? Yes, yes, yes. There is so much in that line that you can't just pull that line off. You cannot just say that and have an audience keep track of what you just said. How dare you tell me? how to parent my kid that I just met. <laughs> and so it's that whole sequence, the whole scene, everything with that is absolutely hilarious. So I'm going to throw that out as my funniest one. And then I'll let you guys talk and share. One. Uh, so one, of, I'm just going to, you want to go first? You go. Okay. So I just, the one I love, uh, there's so many I love, but the one I'm going to go with to start with was 
where Alfred says, uh, if you don't mind me saying, I'm a little concerned. I've seen you go through similar phases in 2016 and 2012 and 2008 and 2005 and 1997, 1995 and 92 and 89. And that weird one in 1966. And they're just like flashing little clips of all of the, like it's Lego versions of those movies of Batman v Superman and dark Knight and all those things until you get Alex an actual Adam West cameo. But again, just this Batman is all of the Batmans that we've ever seen. He's all of them somehow. Does he even says Michael Keaton's line. You want to get nuts at one part. Yeah. And we saw that, you know, with Joker earlier, you know, when they're talking about, you know, is this like the two boats? It's better than the two boats. Like the parade with the Prince music? Shut up. <laughs> the parade with the Prince music. That yes. was amazing. My favorite thing about that, though, is I remember my kids saw Lego Batman before they saw any of those Batman movies. And so those lines didn't land for them. But then when they saw The Dark Knight or Batman 89, they were like, oh, that's the thing from Lego Batman. Those of us who were lucky enough to see all those iterations of Batman. We were the ones who were able to appreciate that the most. Yeah. Okay, Calista, give me a, give me a line that you like. Yep. Okay, I have a lot. Okay, dialogue is definitely my favorite part of the movie. Um, first, I'm going to say um, one of the things that Joker says is toward, like, more of the end of the movie. Um, after Sauron, like, locates um, Batman's... Uh, Thing. <laughs> the house in the Batcave. Yes. Um, Joker's like, are you trying to tell me that Bruce Wayne is Batman? This is his roommate? <laughs> and I'm just like, it's it's right there in front of you. <laughs> it's amazing, though. It's so clever. Just that delay. Bruce Wayne is Batman's roommate? Yep. <laughs> yeah. All right, Corey, your turn. Your turn again. Um, I'm gonna go with now. This is I'm gonna throw. I got. We just got to go a couple couple rounds of this. Is what we yeah. have to do. Yeah. Um, I love again with the scene with Robin coming to the Batcave, where he comes down, sees Batman, and he goes, "It's Batman!" Whoa! And he goes, "You're darn right!" Whoa! And so, <laughs> which is just a great slips it right in, yep. and then Robin says, uh, "Batman lives in Bruce Wayne's basement." And he goes, no, Bruce Wayne lives in Batman's attic. And I just, it's just a great way to go with the story, to keep it going. I mean, that that whole scene, I think, is where I could watch that scene and then click back and rewind it again because it's yeah. just the best. So that's well, another that, funny one. That fits with the way we see Batman portrayed in this too, where like even in the bat, like in the, in, in Wayne Manor, he's still wearing the hood, the, the cowl. Like he yeah. is Batman and always and then sometimes he takes that off and he pretends to be bruce wayne so that which is very great for going with the whole lore of batman in the movies and the you know where he eventually becomes the batman and bruce wayne's the the character yeah did you have another do you want you gotta have another one calista you you go ahead because i won't take them all that way okay i have seriously i have a lot okay um now i'm gonna talk about the song (laughs) um the let's get nuts let's get nuts mix (laughs) That entire part is just hilarious. There's so many things that he says. Um, One of the best ones is probably when he's like, ladies, it's okay to stare because I'm a billionaire. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I did. Yeah. That part is just funny. It's the high note. I'm going to do the one right before they get in their plan for uh, getting into the Fortress of Solitude where he's he's talking to Rob and he says, hey, kid. He says, yes, sir. He said, you're super nimble, right? I sure am. And small, very. And quiet. What I desire to be. be. And then he says, and a 110% expendable. And he says, I don't know what that means, but okay. (laughs) You're expendable. (laughs) Um, All right. I go. Now here's a different one with that Robin mission, right? Um, I love when he goes to the Fortress of Solitude. Now, this brings in just a little bit of a serious note, is when he goes to Batman calls Fortress of Solitude Superman's alone palace, (laughs) which I thought was great because he says all superheroes have uh, an alone palace or says where Superman has zero friends and basks in sweet, sweet isolation. You know, and he's, he's still that brooding Batman, just, you know, all him and that's all he has. And and then when he goes inside, they're having the 57th anniversary of the Justice League party. Yeah. Every year and he's never been invited. Not one time. 
painful. <laughs> yeah, but that's great because it shows how he looks at that as this is the ideal, you know, hideout is a place where you can be by yourself. Yes. And that's not how Superman views it. Did you have another one, Kristen? Yes, I do. So I'm going to mention that um, one of them that I think is my favorite, and that's the password for the Batcave. <laughs> that's the crossword. That's thing. Iron Man sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets them all to say it right at the end, too. Yeah. Say it one more time. Oh, my gosh. Disagree with that strongly. Iron Man is amazing. But still, it's that Batman would definitely say that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, all would. right. Here's my last one. Uh Okay, Robin, together we're going to punch these guys so hard words described with the impact are going to spontaneously materialize out of thin air. And Such a great. Yeah. It is just great. So self-aware. Uh, I'm going to go with, just remind my last one here. I, do, I will say this. My sons would appreciate this. Was There's a Joker line that gets tossed in where he says, how am I supposed to get Batman's respect when I'm working with these human farts? <laughs> And if you're taking your sons to a movie and they throw in the word fart in there, it's just an automatic. That's going to land somewhere. It's going to get yeah. the. It's going to bring those kids' attention right back. And and for the Joker to say it, you know, watching his his henchmen do all these things and with human farts. Um, but my last line here we go. My last line that I think is great is his line to Robin in that Batcave scene where he says, "Are you ready to follow Batman and learn a few life lessons along the way?" And that's what I think is the power of the lines and the, and the lyrics and everything they put in this movie. Yeah. Is there some life lessons in here? It's not just a fun DC story, but it's just that whole part with that. Yeah. There actually is like a moral to the story. Absolutely. Yeah. So we talked about facial expressions, which are amazing, even though it's Lego. Uh, what about what about costumes? Anything we want to talk about with costumes? Yeah, go ahead, Calista. Okay, so for costumes, I have the tuxedo dress-up party, <laughs> which is just stupid, but it's really funny. It's just like, um, kind of going back to dialogue when Alfred's just like, we can do your favorite thing before, and Batman's like, tuxedo dress-up party, and then they just go and try on like a bunch of different tuxedos Yeah. for some reason. I'm guessing the sister is the one playing with Batman at that point. Mm-hmm. I would imagine. Definitely. Yeah. I like when uh, they're looking through, there's a part where they show different Batman outfits in there. Yeah. And it's right before they introduce the shark repellent, which <laughs> Batman says is completely useless, yeah. uh, which is a throwback to Adam West. But they, they show the different Batman costumes in there. You see a Batman Beyond costume yeah. and you see uh, the old Adam West costume in there. You even see a uh, a 1980s kind of a, you know, that steampunk type Batman. There's a couple in there that are really kind of nice that they put those in there. Yeah, I, want, I just want to freeze frame that scene because there's so much going on. And that's one of those scenes that I, I love so much. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to point out that you have, you know, the Batman main suit that we see him wear is very, I think, very much inspired by the Batman 89, Michael Keaton Batman. Uh, but then you have, of course, <laughs> Robin wearing the the '66 version, you know, with, with no pants. <laughs> no pants. <laughs> and I love how this like very organically, you know, comes together. You know, it comes from like the Rastafarian Batman. Yep. And I'm just gonna rip these pants off because they're a little tight. Rip. I cannot look at you. Is that what it says? I can only, I can only look you in the eyes right now. <laughs> That's what he says. Good save. <clears throat> yeah. And okay, real quick, I have another thing for um body language so back to the lego thing whenever do you, whenever they do thumbs up it's just their little cup hands and they're just like thumbs up or thumbs down like when um batman mentions bruce wayne and he's like you know who does get scared bruce wayne and he does like thumbs down and he just like puts his hand down i just think that's funny yeah again you're doing a lot with very little well, and the limit of a Lego world to still make everybody just slip right in and you just accept and go, you go with the movie. Yeah. So uh, setting and design is an interesting category for a Lego movie, for sure. Um, the thing that I love is that they very much have Gotham City inspired by Chicago in a lot of ways, which is, of course, 
what Christopher Nolan did. So that's, there's a lot of Christopher Nolan DNA in this movie for sure. Uh, the Chris, the Christopher Nolan Batman. Yeah. That's the dark Knight trilogy. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's a part where, uh, the Jerry Maguire part that comes in, (laughs) which I absolutely love. We bring in human movie into a Batman Lego world (laughs) is, uh, that Jerry Maguire part, he plays the part where he says, you complete me, is a throwback to the Joker and Batman's interrogation scene where he says, yep. I don't want to kill you. You complete me. He says that to him yep. in the Dark Knight trilogy. And I think that's a great connection to make, especially because this movie is centered around Batman and the Joker being together and completing each other. Yeah. Yeah, I love the set decoration there where he has that that giant TV screen my favorite part about it is that he's trying to find the right input. <laughs> and the there's sound. like 20 inputs and he can't, oh, it finally finds it. But what's great is it, it's, you know, it's more of that showing how alone he is because he has this giant home theater with tons and tons of seats and he's the only one in there. Yes. But the more I see that, I'm like, yeah, that's how a kid would interpret that scene in Jerry Maguire. They think it's funny. Well, they even laugh even at the end when he's got the family. Yeah. <laughs> they laugh at that scene. Yeah. Did you have anything for set decoration? Um. Yeah. So I had the TV and then I also had the family picture that Batman is looking at at one point and he's sad. It's one of the more serious parts of the movie. And he's just talking to the family photo and he's like, guys, save the city again. Be proud of me. And it's just. Right. Kind of sad, but yeah. Yeah, he actually he treats the, the painting like it's a – or the, the photo like it's a character. But then at the very end where he tacks up the new family photo next to that photo, it's a great way – it's kind of that perfect little bookend, you know, rather than – because that scene is so powerful, and I totally agree with that, Calissa. It's so powerful, and it really draws the emotion of it where you'd be proud of me. And so in the midst of all this narcissism and arrogance we're seeing – We also see he's hurting. And then to not just forget about that, move on with a great movie and then go on to the credits is to bring that scene back. Hey, you'd be proud of me. And here's a new family. And so he's going to have that pride. Anyway, it's just as a great bookend to put that together. You absolutely nailed that. Yeah. Uh, Lots of great props Mm -hmm. in this one. And I had the, the microwave for the lobster that just always slays me, especially at the end when he puts like four of them in there. It wouldn't possibly fit. Uh, the guitar, I mentioned that. That's fantastic. Um, the Phantom Zone projector always makes me laugh, just the way that's shaped. Um, the switch for the bat signal is fun. And this time, I really wanted to pay attention to all the things that he has on him. Like he, when he goes to Arkham and he has to pull him out of his pockets, and he just keeps going. There's like Kryptonian, uh, like Krypton, uh, Kryptonite daggers, rather. Uh, there's like a cutlass sword. There's a whole bunch of, there's a, and batarangs and there's there's a dolphin in there for some reason (laughs) yeah and of course the rope as the autopilot i think that might be my favorite prop Mm -hmm. ropes in charge ropes in charge doesn't trust anybody else no batman works alone except for the rope uh i think i love the little things that they put in there with him his trophy room which later they take all the bombs out of that trophy room like all the things here put this bomb in the trophy room and so he goes and he's got this huge trophy room. And uh, and then in the very beginning with the planes where they're transporting, <laughs> we've got 1,400 sticks of dynamite and they show them in the back. And those are the little Lego dynamite sticks. They're absolutely great. I've got a whole bunch of them upstairs. I step on them all the time. And so those little Lego dynamite sticks, they've got C4. They've got all these different things and two pilots that are best friends. And so, <laughs> But the the props that they put in there and just the, oh, and the, the fun, cute little bombs that they had too. Yep. With the fuses. And so they're all things that, that we have in these sets. And they're in there and they're rattling around just on a shelf. And we're flying them in an airplane. And so, I mean, but those props are just great because they're all things that you can buy. They're all things that you can have if you're a Lego lover. There's the one scene where Robin's talking about all the vehicles in the back cave. Yeah. And they're all Lego sets that we have one or two of them. The Lego, the Batman shuttle, the... Bat boat. I mean, they're all different Lego sets. They're actual Lego sets. So I, I think those props are just so well placed to put into this movie to slip in there. 
and uh, to just draw you into this into this world with props and sets and everything. Yeah, and and you don't mind that it's product placement. No, but it totally is. Um, characters we've talked a lot about. We talked about Will Arnett, obviously. Um, Zach Galifianakis as the Joker is inspired. That's a great choice. Yep. Uh, Michael Sarah as Dick Grayson, Rosario Dawson as Barbara Gordon. She's really great in this too. You mentioned Ray Fiennes is fantastic. Like I totally buy, I, I see him as Alfred. I don't, I don't hear anybody else. He's, he's that good. Uh, and Billy there, D Williams. That is great. And see that I want, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that's of course, that's a throwback to Batman 89 where he played Harvey Dent. And so he finally gets to play two face and then he gets to be two face and Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. How do we not, how is this? I mean, talk about like foreshadowing here. Yep. Zoe Kravitz playing Catwoman in the Lego Batman movie, who then goes to play Catwoman in the Batman film. Yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah, and all the stunt casting. Uh, you know, you have um, Adam Devine as the Flash, Jonah Hill as Green Lantern, and, and Channing Tatum as Superman. <laughs> just Channing Tatum just being mean to Jonah Hill again. So that's yep, cool. and. Siri was Siri <laughs> as pewter pewter, pewter. <laughs> but that's the actual Siri. Yeah. That's what I saw as the credits then. Okay. That sounds awesome. Uh, anything else for characters before we, we move on? I think we covered just about everybody. I mean, there's, it's a great cast. I mean, Hector Elizondo is James Gordon too. Like big name, like fairly big name actors in, in all of these parts, even in tiny little parts. You know, and I think movies like this, I, I got to think they're so epic that people want to be a part of them if they're if they're a, an actor. You know, the same thing you get in Star Wars where um, Craig, uh, the the 007. Yeah, Daniel Craig. Yeah. Daniel Craig wanted to be a stormtrooper. He's not even going to get his face on the screen, but he's in there. He was in Star Wars and he's got his name in the credits. And, you know, it's that it's that I'm part of this. And, and I think that you you have to feel that some of these characters want to do this. So you Billy D. Williams wanting to, Hey, I'm going to come in and play two face. I was Harvey Dent. Now I get to finally be two face. Yeah. Just little things like that, where you get this star power together to make this movie. Yeah. After, and he was, he was Lando in the Lego movie, right? He was. Yeah. He so. made, yes. Cause I can hear his voice in there. <laughs> <laughs> so he's done this before. So we talked about hero's journey a little bit. Um, I I just had that, you know, he's learning the, the value of opening up his heart and not letting the fear of loss, keep him from letting other people in. That's kind of his, his journey for this. That's what I had. I agree. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Well, I think, I think a little bit different in in the, in the rise and fall of the hero, you, you don't have necessarily the death of the mentor. Um, other than the idea of his dad his parents being killed, which made him an orphan. But I think his hero journey of falling, being at the peak, everybody loves him. They've got signs. The whole beginning song is incredible. <laughs> you know, it's just a, a glorifying Batman song with upbeat music. When you have the captions on it, it even says upbeat music time. And uh, to then falling, falling down because of his, I don't need anybody and selfishness. And then going to the Phantom Zone. Losing, going to the Phantom Zone, and then coming back, and then uh, it's just a great—it's a great hero's journey in a different way with a couple scenes, but tells a great story. Life lessons along the way is what he says. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> very self-aware. Um, we talked about with world building that basically all the Warner Brothers properties are part of the same universe, and I just think that's amazing. That was just that was fun, and in a natural way too. I didn't I didn't mind that Gremlins and Agent Smith showed up. I think it makes the story so great. They don't call the Daleks Daleks, by the way. They call them British robots. <laughs> I'm sure there's some licensing in there, probably. Um, and you know what? You know, you know what? That the licensing and uh, ownership and properties makes me wonder how this movie never got a sequel. Well, I I did some research on that, and the the, the thing with that is that Warner Brothers lost the license to make Lego movies, so now it's with Universal because there was one in the pipeline that was going to be a sequel to this with. Like the Super Friends. It was going to be like Lego Super Friends. And I want to see that movie. I want to. This this movie deserves a sequel or a trilogy. And by the way, Super Friends, when you say that, 
when Batman goes to the Fortress of Solitude, they don't say cheese. They say super friends. When he takes the picture of the, the Justice League all together having the party and they say, here, take a photo for us. And instead of saying cheese, they go super friends. And he's not in the photo. But so if that's the title of the sequel that should have been made, Super Friends, it's kind of a nice little throwback to that line. Yeah. I'd love if they could work that out somehow. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So final thoughts on the Lego Batman movie. I'm going to throw this out and then I'm going to let Calista and you talk. I think this movie is top notch. One of the five star top five parent child movies that you can watch together. Absolutely incredible. I think it is a shame we don't have a sequel. If Warner Brothers or DC or anybody in Legoland is out there listening, they need to be continuing making movies like this. This is incredible. This movie deserves a sequel. I think this is the type of movie that people want to go see. You get to leave the theater absolutely laughing. You know you're – it's the type of movie I'm going to walk out and say, take my money because I'm going to go watch it again. Or I'm going to buy that DVD as soon as it comes out with my kids or I'm going to stream it or whatever because it's such a great story with humor that hits the parents to keep them in with little Easter eggs and then great little scenes and storyline to keep kids involved. You cannot just pull that off without excellent writing, directing, voice level work. So this movie, absolutely one of my favorites. Incredible movie, top notch. And it's a shame I don't have a second or third movie to watch of this with Will Arnett. There you go. Calista, what do you think? Um, I agree that this movie is awesome and it's hilarious and I'm going to watch it so many more times. Um, I just love that we have this silly adaptation of Batman going through like this whole journey that actually ends up being like heartfelt even though like it's kind of like stupid throughout but like in a good funny way not in a bad way yeah um yeah that's great yeah i I would just echo what both of you had said i mean this this was a movie i took the kids to see and did not expect to like it nearly as much as i did and i laughed out loud several times and every time i watch this movie i'm laughing out loud when i start talking about the movie i and quoting some of the lines, I start laughing. And and, and as much as I, I want there to be a sequel, because I do, like I, there's still so much of this movie I still don't know. I could go back and see new stuff every time I watch this movie. So it's incredibly rewatchable. And if you haven't watched it in a while, go watch it again, because it is as funny as you remember, maybe even funnier. So as we close, we just want to say thank you so much for listening. And if you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. Email us at readingbetweenreels at gmail.com or use the SpeakPipe app on our website. If you enjoy the show, please tell a friend. One last thing, our next episode will be a review of Willow, the movie Willow. Send us an email or voicemail about your favorite moments from Willow and we'll share it on the next episode. Don't forget the password. Iron Man sucks. Iron Man sucks.